The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 4 through 9. John 1, 4 through 9. In Jesus was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Love unsurpassing and guiding, shining down from above, fervently trust in all that's true. Love each other as Christ loveth you. Bound in sin received his grace. Trusting in a heavenly place, good works filled in all you do. Love each other as Christ loveth you. Love, perfect love, will guide us home. By his sign, no longer to roam. If on our path we go astray, oh God's hand. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as the servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. And this passage, it helps us to keep our, our, our mindset right. And helps us to remember what the purpose that we serve here on this earth. Now, let me kind of give you an example of this and kind of illustrate it in this way. When we get a letter in the mail, we look at it and we have this, this envelope that we, we open it up. And whenever we open it up, there within it is the letter. So what do we do? Well, usually we just kind of take this envelope. We oftentimes will throw that away because it's the letter that is so important. It's the letter that has the contents, the things that we want to read. And it's kind of a sad thing, isn't it, if we were to get these two things confused? Like, what if you were to just, you know, not really focus on what you were doing so much, and then maybe you accidentally threw away the letter instead of the, the envelope, and all you had left was the envelope, and then, you know, what do you do about that? You don't get the message in that case. Well, this passage is kind of reminding us that in many ways, that's sort of how we are. We are like that envelope, 
And the ways in which we are like that envelope is we are the way through which Jesus is being proclaimed. We are the, the one that, that is, is allowing Jesus to be sent through us and to be reflected in us. But let's never forget what verse 5 says right here. What we preach is not ourselves. Okay, If you start preaching yourselves, what you're going to end up doing is you've kind of thrown away the letter and you're focusing so much on the envelope. We don't need to mistake the two for one another. What we preach, it's not ourselves, but it's Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as the servants for Jesus' sake. We are here to serve Jesus in whatever ways that might mean. And most of the ways that means is that, that we proclaim this message. Now, that doesn't mean that we're always going to be you know, out front and, or behind a pulpit preaching. There's so much more involved in preaching than just that. In fact, oftentimes preaching has to do with proclaiming this gospel message, the gospel message that Jesus Christ is our Lord. We are merely servants. Let's not forget which is a letter, which is the envelope. Let's not forget which is the true subject of what we should be about, and that is Jesus Christ. And to this, we turn to the pages of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to learn some great lessons about what it means to serve Jesus now, we see this wonderful phrase that shows up, that we are compared to jars of clay. So this lesson is, jars of clay to light the way. We are like that envelope who bring this light into the world. We are not the light, but we can point the way to the light. We can re reflect the light of God in the ways that we interact with one another and in the ways that we interact with people in the world. Let's look more at this chapter because there's so many uh, great things for us to learn uh, from it and about uh, what it means to serve Jesus. In verse 7, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Okay, so what treasure is this talking about? Well, if you back up to verse 6, which I put here on the screen, once again it reminds us, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness. By the way, when did God say, let light shine out of the darkness? Go back to like the first page of the Bible. And you'll find in uh, Genesis chapter 1 verse 3, you will see that God is saying, let light shine out of the darkness. Well, guess what? In the same types of way, what Paul uses here is he says, just like God who said, let light shine out of darkness. Guess what? He made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. This is the treasure that we as jars of clay hold. Now, let's kind of start sort of picking apart some of these things and, and diving a little bit more into uh, this language that's being used here. This light that is shining in our hearts, this light of this knowledge of God's glory, all of that comes to us uh, really through Jesus Christ and we, we have seen the glory of God. Uh, through what Jesus has done. We read the Gospels and we find out about how Jesus preached and how he taught us to live and how he just interacted with everybody around him. We can learn these things about this light that shone out of the darkness. Just like it was the difference between day and night back in Genesis. It's the difference between light and darkness in the New Testament. This light of God's glory is shining in us. But we are described as, as having this treasure, going once again to verse 7, as having this treasure, this glory of God, this knowledge of this glory of God. This treasure is in jars of clay. See, our bodies are like these jars of clay. 
Because just as, going back to Genesis again, if you remember, when Adam and Eve were created, Adam was made first and he was made of the dust of the ground. He's in many ways quite like a jar of clay. Now, of course, a jar of clay has, has both uh, that going back to Adam. But, you know, also another thing about jars of clay is that people would make jars of clay and they would put things in. Now, these weren't supposed to be for, for treasures. You didn't typically put treasures in jars of clay because jars of clay were a little bit more of a temporary type thing. If they became unclean or if they became damaged, you would just kind of shatter the pot and, and you would just create another one, another jar. That's how the jars of clay worked. But the way that this is being described is that we have this treasure. We have this glory of God, this knowledge of the God's glory. It's a treasure that is given in these jars of clay. Now, one of the things that this definitely shows us a contrast of is that we are humans and God is God. Okay, And once again, don't confuse those two. Don't start thinking that you, know, you are in the place of God. Because what we preach is not ourselves, but it's about God. Our focus has got to be right. We are called to be these jars of clay, and we are called to help light the way, to help shine this light that we have been given, this treasure that we have been given. We can shine that and let that shine throughout the world. And the way that Paul keeps talking about uh, his own um, body being this jar of clay, uh, this is how he goes on even past verse 7 and talking about that. See, he recognizes how, how difficult this life can be, how difficulties can come in. 7 through 12 of 2 Corinthians 4. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to the death for, to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. This passage, going back to the beginning, it's talking about this power that we have. This treasure in the jars of clay, it has to do with the glory of God, this knowledge of the glory of God, and this all-surpassing power, it's from God. It's not from us. Once again, where is our focus? Do we recognize that what we preach is not ourselves? It is Jesus Christ. It is God. I know I've said that a few times, but I really want you to get that. I really want us to get that from this passage. If we get really one main thing from this passage, that's what it needs to be that we need to have all glory and praise and honor go to our Heavenly Father, to Jesus Christ, His Son, and this wonderful plan that they have given to us so that we can be saved, so that we can receive all these great blessings. And just as the Apostle Paul, he recognized that, yes, he's going through all these difficulties, but they have a point. They have a limit that, that God, he, he is with them throughout these, these persecutions, throughout being struck down or perplexed or, or being hard-pressed on every side. And I know maybe I kind of missed something in there, but his point is that God is always there. God is going to be helping them through all these difficulties. And God will also be there for us. And he will also help us when in whatever difficulties that we have as we, in this current uh, you know, situation and everything, that we as humans have this treasure in jars of clay. 
Well, let's keep reading in the verses following this, though. Because in verses 13 through 15, we see part of the blessings that this has. Part of the, the, these wonders, these amazements. Like I said before, that we need to, to praise and glorify our Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. And of course, the Holy Spirit for the work that He is still doing within each and every one of us. But we see right here, part of those blessings that this salvation has given us. That this plan that God has given us so that we can receive salvation and so many of these other great things. In 2 Corinthians 4, verses 13 through 15, it is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit. So that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. This passage is, is speaking about one of the, part of these blessings that we get. Yes, part of the blessings that we get, of course, is salvation, being able to be with God. And I'm not trying to, to undermine that. In fact, like that's really what so much of this is, is talking about, is the salvation of what God has done for us. But you know what? If we have that type of faith, then we can say, just like it was written, and by the way, this quotation, it, it comes from Psalm 116, and if you read Psalm 116, you'll find out it's very similar to what Paul had just described, that yes, we go through difficulties, but God is there with us. And we, we can say those same types of things, and we can recognize that what they were going through in the Old Testament, it relates to what happened in the New Testament, and it relates to us today. And we know also that if we have this faith, that this uh, in verse 14, we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. That's what we have hope in. We have hope. We have faith. We have trust. We know that we will be raised with Jesus. Whenever our time here in this life is, is over, we know that we're going to be raised up from the dead. We know that we're going to receive a new body. We know that death in this life, it's going to be a temporary state. We're only going to be in that state for so long because we will be raised up again with Jesus Christ. In verse 15, all of this is for your benefit. All of this. And the words that he describes there, he's talking about this grace that, that we receive. How amazing this grace is. Don't we even sing about that? You know, amazing grace. It's a wonderful song. It's kind of one of my favorites, I, I guess you might say. And it is so wonderful for us to realize how great and how amazing this grace is that God has given to us. We also see that this grace of God, it should cause thanksgiving. This thanksgiving, this giving of thanks. Who do we give thanks to? We give thanks and we give all glory to God. And that's the next thing. That's the final thing that he says in verse 15 is that to overflow to the glory of God. This is, is what all of this is. See, we know that we will be raised with Jesus. We see that we receive grace. We need to respond with thanksgiving. We need to respond with glorifying God and giving him all glory for what he's done. Because it's not anything that we've done that we're going to be able to be raised with Jesus. No, this is something that God has worked out for us. This is the part of our salvation that God himself does. It's beyond us. We can't do it. We can't raise ourselves up. If it's just left up to us after we die, that's it. But praise be to God, glory to God, that that's not the end of the story. Because our God is great and he has a plan for us, 
he is also going to raise us up. And now we see the the final few verses of this chapter. Verses 16 through, I'm going to go all the way into the next chapter. Just one one verse from the next chapter. I'm just going to borrow that because I think it it, uh, helps kind of complete this whole thought right here. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 5, 1. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly, outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. This passage is talking about this glory of God. This passage is talking about how these light and momentary troubles, which, by the way, okay, if you look at the Apostle Paul, and for him to call his troubles light and momentary troubles, um, that seems to us like an understatement of the things that he went through. He went through all types of difficulties, many of which we wouldn't uh, we wouldn't necessarily want to go through ourselves. If you remember last week, on uh, last Sunday morning, whenever Don Smythe preached, He went over some of those troubles that the Apostle Paul and those who worked with him uh, went through. Some of those difficulties. But he calls them here, our light and momentary troubles. Okay? What happens through those troubles? What happens through those struggles? Well, they are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And here we kind of see a little bit of a uh, of a play on words, and you might see the phrase the the uh, eternal weight of glory, you know, something like that. Uh, it actually turns out that Paul is using this play on words because uh, the word here for glory and the word here for weight are are actually the same, and they they're uh, related here in this uh, in in this Hebrew thought and the way that Paul is using them here. So when you think about the glory of God, you're thinking about kind of the weight of God and how powerful and amazing it is. And he's saying, oh, look, these things right here, these these momentary troubles, they're, they're light, they're momentary. But we see that they are achieving something great. This, this weight of glory, this eternal glory that far outweighs them all. It's so much better. So it, it surpasses them all. There, there's several different ways of being able to say that. But then he says, look, where are we focusing? What are we focusing on? And right here, uh, he's not necessarily so much contrasting, um, at least I don't believe what he is contrasting is, what we currently are living through and what we're going to live through in the future, uh, although that is part of it. I think that also what we see here is he's contrasting us as humans living in these jars of clay, having this treasure in jars of clay. He's contrasting that with how great our God is. Keep in mind of what we started with, the idea that what we preach is not ourselves, but it's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one who deserves all of this glory, all of this honor. And we see that whatever momentary light and momentary troubles we go through, they are achieving for, for us something great. This eternal glory that far outweighs them all. We have this hope. We know that we can be raised with Jesus Christ. We know that right here, right now, we are called to have this treasure, this light of God, this this knowledge of the God of the of God's glory within us, within these jars of clay. Let's make sure that we live out our lives as jars of clay who light the way and show people how to go and be a servant 
of our Heavenly Father. Watch out.